But we're going to start today doing a series, and this series today is titled God's Point of View. And if I was to give you a quick summary of what this series is, it, it would, would, it, the quick summary of this series would, would go like this. When we begin our faith journey with Jesus, everything gets a little clearer, right? We get, a, we get some better clarity in, in our thinking. We see ourselves in a better light. We see our problems, our past, our present, our future. We see it a little clearer, right? Because Jesus has a way of, of putting things into perspective a little bit better. Everything gets clearer the closer we get to Jesus. And then, after some time, life starts to happen again, and we find ourselves drifting just a little bit, right? Maybe we're not reading our Bible as much. Maybe something is happening, and, and, it's, and it's not good, or maybe it's super good, you know? And it, it just, we just kind of take our focus off of Jesus a little bit. Life starts happening again. And, you know, whether it's for better or for worse, for good or for bad, our vision gets a little murky, like it gets a little blurry. Our perspective on things, that clarity that we once had when we came to Jesus gets a little blurred. And again, sometimes it's because life is going so good, we just drift away, and sometimes it's because it's not so good, we just drift away. And so my hope and prayer for this series is that we can re restore some of that clarity again. Or maybe just dial it in a little bit more, you know? Um, and, 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 and at the very least, at the very least in this series, in the next few weeks, this will give us something to kind of keep in our spirits, in our hearts, when life does get a little bit blurry. Maybe something will happen and, and, and something that was said here in one of these sermons or, or a, a scripture verse that, that you kind of dialed in on on a Sunday will come back to life because that's how the Word of God works, right? When we get something in our hearts, something in our spirits, later on in life, it comes to life. And usually as a fleeting thought, right? We're dealing with something and, and we don't like what's happening and we get this scripture verse or we get this thought that kind of helps with what, we're, what's, what, that, what, with what we're dealing with, and we don't realize it in the moment, but it's God's Holy Spirit saying, remember that verse? Remember that time I spoke to you? And it's usually, for me, like every now and then, I'll catch it right there in the moment. But it might be after I come through that situation, I'm like, oh man, God was trying to speak to me, and if I would have paid attention to that, Maybe I would have dealt with that a little bit better. And so today what we're going to do is, today, what we're going to look at today is how God sees us. How does God look at each one of us when he's looking down from heaven and he sees us? How does he, what's he see? Right, because all of us have a version of us that we see when we look in the mirror. We see all the flaws. We see all the things we wish we didn't see. You know, the exterior that we don't like, 
the interior that we don't like. We have a version of ourselves that we see when we, when we look in the mirror, right? And, we, and right now, some of us, these things are coming through our heads right now, and we're like, yeah, that's me. And some of us are like, some of us are a little too up here about ourselves, and we need to dial it back a little bit. Your friends are going, yeah, he needs to pay attention to this. <laughs> but there's a big difference between the way we see ourselves and the way God sees us. And that's what we're going to look at today. You know, far too often we let our, our past experiences or maybe things that have been said to us, maybe things spoken over us as a child or said to us as an adult in a relationship or something that's happened to us, you know, we, we allow these things to define who we are. And it becomes really a distorted view of how God sees us. So, how do we deal with these past hurts or these past thoughts or these past experiences that really haunt us when it comes to our self-image? How do we bring healing to the emotional scars that have never seemed to heal? Because oftentimes we think they're healed and then something happens and all that stuff resurfaces again. And there it is again. Well, the, a way to answer those questions is what we need to do is we need to have an understanding of how God sees us. I mean, for real though, like, like really have a solid understanding of the way God sees us. Like every morning when we wake up, I, I picture Jesus is like, he's up, she's up, let's go. Today's gonna be a good day. Because I guarantee you that the version we see in the mirror is a totally different version than who God sees. And so, my prayer, you know what, let's just, let's stop and pray real quick. I want to pray. So, so Jesus, I want to ask that you would drive away all the hurt, all the bad memories that distort the way some of us see ourselves. And I pray that right now, Lord Jesus, you would drive some of that pain away so we have a clear mind to hear and to understand what it is that you have for each one of us. And I pray that right now you change for good the way some of us see ourselves so that we walk out of here having a better idea of who we are than the version of who walked into this building. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so again, back to the topic. How do we see ourselves the way God sees us? Well, the moment we put our trust in God's Son, Jesus, we have been made right in His eyes. We are now accepted into God's kingdom. And so I want to read a passage. We're going to look at three passages right now. I'm going to read one from Titus. Titus is a, is a small little book um, that comes after 2 Thessalonians. 
Is that right? No, Timothy, 2 Timothy. I really like some of these smaller books in the New Testament because they they, they've got like, like they, they kind of get overlooked, but they have some really good stuff in them. So this is a letter written to Titus, and we're going to look in chapter 3, starting in verse 5. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Some of us struggle with this because we don't feel like we have been made right in God's eyes. And maybe we struggle with this fact that we've been, we have, we should have the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And, and just to kind of back that up, I want to read a passage from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, does that sound familiar? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Both of these letters were written by the Apostle Paul. There's an underlying theme here, written to Titus and written to the church in Rome. And then skip down to Romans uh, verse 11 in chapter 5. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Now I've been teaching from the New Living Translation um, for a while now. New King James is, is my study Bible, but I just like the way some of this sounds and reads. Like, we have been made friends with God. Like God himself. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so these passages here, these are good, this is, these are things that we should have settled in our spirits, settled in our hearts. That when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we see the negative, it is passages like this that need to bring the confidence and the hope that we should have when we see ourselves. Because the moment we put our trust in Jesus, we have been made right with God. We are acceptable in his sight. Here's a better way of saying that. We are in his circle of friends. Is there, is there, is there, has there ever been like, like a circle of friends you really wish you could be a part of? Like, I really wish they would invite me over to their house. I really wish I could be hanging out with them. I really wish I could sit at that lunch table. But God says, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, man, you're in the best circle of friends that ever walked the earth. Like, like this circle of friends is for eternity. It doesn't get any better than that. 
Much of how we see ourselves is based on our life's experiences, both the good and bad. And, and, and I believe that that causes us to buy into the feelings about ourselves. Oftentimes it's negative, but sometimes it's a little too positive. But the thing about feelings and the thing about emotions is that they change as time goes by. They change with situations. They change with circumstances. Our emotions will always change. But the Word of God, the passages that we just read, are based on truth. And the truth is stable. The truth never changes. As parents, that's something that we try to to teach our children growing up. Like, listen, you're always going to be tempted to say something different when you get in trouble. Just stick with the truth, because then there's only one story you have to remember. The truth. And that's the Word of God. It is the truth. It is stable. It, It goes through generations of generations. And it always remains the same. Our emotions and our feelings will always change based on our surroundings and our circumstances. See, many people carry the weight of rejection from childhood into adulthood. And they don't even realize that this has become a part of who they are. And, and maybe they think they've got it settled where, where, where I'm good, I've, I've dealt with that. And then maybe something happens at work or something happens with a friend or something was said and all that stuff resurfaces. And then we realize we, we actually haven't dealt with this because it's still there. And it also becomes a part of how they see themselves. See, rejection and acceptance are two very powerful emotions that human beings deal with, and they're intertwined with each other. See, rejection causes negative thoughts about ourselves to such a degree that people will do whatever they have to do to avoid those negative thoughts. So much so that the thought of being rejected creates an unhealthy drive to be accepted. Because of that rejection they once experienced, now all they do is want people to accept them. And it's an unhealthy drive to be accepted. And this is an endless cycle that goes on. It it will follow a person from friend group to friend group to friend group, from job to job to job, in and out of relationships, because this need to be accepted. But in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his great mercy, which is undeserved privilege in the sight of God. See, it is his mercy that makes us right with him. Listen, the truth about mercy is none of us deserve it. We always compare ourselves to somebody that is doing better than us, right? But as followers of Jesus, 
We're all on the same level playing field when it comes to mercy. None of us deserve it. And some of us really don't deserve it. But God gives it freely. There's nothing that we can do to earn his grace and his mercy. He freely gives it. That's how much God loves us. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Right there, some of us need need this to sink into our hearts. God God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he always wanted to do. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Before the world began, God loved us and chose us. Those of us that put our faith in his son, Jesus. See, here's the deal. With God, none of us were picked last. It's like God himself was, was one of the, the captains of the team, right? And, and we all know what that was like, right? All the athletic guys and boys and girls, guys and girls, whatever, got picked first. And then came the kind of athletic, and then came the ones that are the leftovers. I'll take you, and we'll take you. I mean, it's, it's just a fact of life. It's just the way it is, but still... Like, don't you always want to be picked first? Makes you feel good about yourself, right? But here's the deal. God already had your name on his mind before the picking of the team started. See, it's like this. It's like God was up the night before. He knew he was going to be a captain of the team. And he was saying, I want Ted Parker. I want Noemi. I want Eve. I want Ronnie, I want Jody, I want Beth, I want Dan, I want Randy, I want Victor, I want these people on my team. And he said every single one of our names. And then when the team picking came, he was like, ah, yes. And his opponent didn't get any names. His opponent is the devil. God had your name on his heart before the world even began. And it gave him great pleasure to say, come into my kingdom. You've accepted my son for who he is, the savior of the world. Come into my kingdom. I know that, you know, that's kind of like the the, the churchy way to explain it. But there is no other way to explain it. That's just it. See, here's what this passage right here eliminates. For those who have spent a lifetime trying to earn the acceptance and the approval of others, you do not need their approval. See, here's the deal. Why do we put ourselves in the position to to get people to approve us when they weren't going to approve us anyways? 
We, we, we try so hard to be accepted by somebody who, quite frankly, doesn't treat us with the dignity we deserve. And we put ourselves into this position of trying to earn their approval. When God himself says, before the world began, you were on my mind. You don't need the approval of other people who weren't going to give it to you to begin with. And, and, and listen, the, the, the hardest, most painful realm of rejection that we can deal with is from our parents, right? It hurts. There's people in this room and all out there in the world that have been rejected by their parents. But you're not the only one. Listen, Psalm 27. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. See, God sees that. And his heart goes out to those who feel abandoned. And this psalmist felt that and understood that and knew that even though I may deal with the most painful of feelings of rejection and abandonment, the Lord will hold me close. The psalmist found comfort in that. Oftentimes, it isn't another human being that's going to give you the comfort that you're looking for. It's going to be God's Holy Spirit. And once you come in there and rest in his arms for a little bit, you will start to see life with a little more clarity. And guess what? You will see the people God brings into your life. I think the moment that we understand that we are acceptable in God's eyes, made right in his eyes, everything falls into place and our self-worth begins to rise again. We begin to, to, to build up that confidence in life again. Because here's the deal. We are the most valued in God's eyes. The most valuable of all of his creation. And even Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? See, if we're going to see ourselves the way God sees us, then we're going to have to have an understanding of our value. We're not just acceptable and made right in his eyes. We are worth something. Our value to God is infinite. Our value to God is eternal. And do you know what the greatest factor that gives something value? The owner. Right? Like, for instance, we're all familiar with Michael Jordan. Am I correct? Okay? So if I had the very same pair of shoes, and Michael Jordan has the very same pair of shoes, and they've been worn the same amount of times, and they have the same amount of wear and tear on them, the exact, almost the same. The only difference is, I own the pair I have, and Michael Jordan owns the pair he has, and we put them up for auction. These are Chip's shoes, Chip Richardson's, Air Jordan's, 
And these are Michael Jordans, like he wore these. Whose do you think in that auction are going to go for the highest bid? (laughs) Thank you, but I don't think so. Somebody's going to want those shoes that were owned by Michael Jordan, right? More than they're going to want mine. And since this is true, listen to this. This is God speaking to the Israelites, his chosen people, through the prophet Isaiah. If life is hitting you hard right now, if you feel like you're barely keeping your head above water, if you really don't know what tomorrow is going to look like, I want you to write this verse down and, and, and meditate on it this week. Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 4. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. You're you're mine, God says. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. That's God speaking to us. That's how valuable you are to him. I mean, he puts at the end there, I love you. I will be with you. Does that sound valued? It doesn't sound like a bird that has to, you know? There's value to that. There's worth to that. God has rescued us from our old lifestyle. And we are now his. Now we hold more value than we ever have before. Nothing will consume us. Although it may seem like it in the midst, God says you're not going to drown. You're not going to burn up. I will see you through this. Every area of difficulty in your life, I will see you through. And, and so we could talk about a lot of other ways that God sees us. Right now, we just looked at we are made right in his eyes, we are acceptable to him, and we hold value to him. God sees us as lovable, as capable, as doable. But I want to touch on one more area here that a lot of us struggle with. The area of forgiveness. Oftentimes we think, well, yeah, Chip, I, I, I know I'm made right in God's eyes, but you don't know what I struggle with. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things that I continue to do because I can't seem to overcome stuff, and I don't feel forgiven. Many believers and followers of Jesus go through life, and they do not feel forgiven. Well, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Without fault. That's blameless. That's forgiven. That's righteous. That's how God sees us. And too many times we, we, we mess up and we do not feel forgiven inside. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what that is. Sometimes that's guilt. Sometimes it's conviction, but, but it's more guilt. And we have an enemy out there. 
that whispers in our ear, you're never going to be forgiven because of that. And we listen to that voice. And it clouds our thoughts. See, we often also, we feel like we've done things that, that maybe offend God to the point of being mad at us. That he looks at us with contempt or even scolding because of the, the bad things that we've done. Listen, here's the deal. God knows every little thing we've ever done and every little thing we're going to do. Nothing that we do ever surprises him. Never once did he go, oh, Chip, you really caught me off guard there. You know what? You're going to need to get a punishment for that. He wants me, when I mess up, to come to him so that he can restore me again. He can restore those thoughts, the guilt, the feelings of unforgiveness. See, the thing is that we don't really fully understand is that we are already forgiven. Even before we put our trust in Jesus, the, the, everything was paid for on the cross. When Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to on the cross. He had every single human being, past, present, and future, on his mind. The sins of the world, everybody that he had forgiven when he went through that for us. And the moment we accept him into our lives is the moment we truly experience that forgiveness. We just have to accept him into our lives. And then he cleans us up. But listen to this psalm in, verse, in uh, Psalm 103, starting in verse 6. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. How about that? The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Doesn't that give you a little hope about, like, you're feeling guilty about things? Like... You know, I, I understand there's consequences, you know, to, our, to things that we do. We, we have to deal with some of our actions. We, we don't get off free from everything. But this passage here tells me that God isn't up there with the stick and the scolding finger and the one eye going after us. And, 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 and you, you know, when you, when you went through the drive through and your fries weren't in the bag. That wasn't God saying, you deserve no fries today. This is every little thing that is happening to you is because of what you did last week. Right? Do you, you have those weeks? Like, you just think God is out to get you. Everything's messed up. 
can't get to work on time. I, I, my, my lunch order is messed up. I, I this and I that. And we start to think that God is out to get us. This passage tells us <laughs> he does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us even though we deserve it. He loves us. He loves us more than anything. And he knew you were going to do that. Whatever it is, he, he, nothing catches him off guard. He just wants us to be with him. Jesus paid the price for all of that on the cross. And, 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 and when we feel like we've not been forgiven, or we feel like there's nothing we can do to make up for what we did, we're just putting him back on the cross. We need to accept it. Accept the forgiveness and, and move on with life. If, you, if you've done something to somebody else, go to them, apologize, ask for forgiveness, make it right with that person. Talk to God about it. Get yourself right with God. You know how you get yourself right with God? It's really easy. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's what grace is. That's what mercy is. Remember, it's undeserved privilege that we get once we become a child of God. We put our faith in Jesus. That's a part of who we are now. That's a part of our faith. Some of us, we have a hard time receiving passages like this and, and an even harder time believing it. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things I've done. We've all done things. And we're sitting here together with grace and mercy being poured out on us. How about this? Isaiah 43. I, yes, I alone, this is God, I, I will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. What you did yesterday and you've talked to God about it, it's done. He's done with it. And if you're going to do it again tomorrow because you struggle with it, talk to God about it. He's done with it. First John chapter 1, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's in his nature. He's faithful. He's just. He's true. The word of God says he'll forgive you. He's going to forgive you. The word of God says he'll never remember it again. He'll never remember it again. So we'll kind of close this up, wrap it up with this. I want to read this passage, a couple more things. Psalm 118, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. These are, some of these passages that we read today, these are like things that I've, I've held on to. Like when the enemy wants to beat me up, I'm like, you know what, I'm sorry. In my distress, I prayed to God, and he answered me, and he set me free from that. When we're feeling at our lowest, it's passages like this that can breathe life and confidence in our hearts, in our spirits, in our lives. And you know who flees when you repeat stuff like this? The devil. 
the enemy, the accuser. Because Jesus is the only one who can make us right before God. He accepts us for who we are, and he adds the most value to our lives than we will ever have. And he is the only one who can forgive us, and because of that, it does not matter what anybody else thinks of us, especially when it comes to how we see ourselves. So who are we going to believe? People, our feelings, or the word of God? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, I, I thank you for passages like this, Jesus, that, that really kind of bring to life the fact that a lot of us go through life beat up. We, we, we put our faith in Jesus, but we don't feel like we're in that area of forgiveness or we're in that area of acceptance. And, and I, I, I want to just breathe some life into that. I want to, to drive away right now with this prayer and as we move into worship, those feelings, those emotions, those preconceived ideas that you have of yourself because that is not how God sees you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if somebody needs to hear this, but, but it, it goes back to that auction. God paid the highest price for each one of us. He paid the highest price for you by giving his son. Man, there is no greater value than that. And I want to thank you for that, Jesus. And I want to pray, Lord God, that as we move into a time of worship, God, that you would move freely amongst us in this room bringing healing and joy and hope and restoration. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.